perhaps you'd turn to the Bible. There are red Bibles on the seats around you, or you may have a device that you can look up Hebrews in chapter 12, and I'm going to invite Mervyn to come and read for us Hebrews and chapter 12. Morning. Reading from Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to commence at verse 18. A kingdom that cannot be shaken. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them, for they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet one more, I will, yet one more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Now if you're a, a follower of Jesus, you find yourself sitting at a busy airport. Now don't go there, you say. How long to clear security? Queues all the way out to swords? No, but, but listen to me for a second. As a Christian, you're sitting at a busy airport. Run with me on this. The issue isn't security queues, because as you sit there, you've got two boarding passes in your hand. Two boarding passes. That's more than some people got printed. But the question is, where are you going? Because the two places on these two different boarding passes couldn't be more different. Two destinations that the writer to the Hebrews here in chapter 12 describes in great detail. Now, as we look at that detail today, 
it helps us to know what the writer is getting at with these contrasting descriptions of two destinations. Here's what's going on. The writer is describing two contrasting pictures of how God's people relate to him. Totally different ways of relating to God because the writer's concerned with their relationship with God and their understanding of that relationship with God. And so very dramatically, he's going to use the imagery of two famous places from their history. There were two famous mountains. You've got Mount Sinai, where Moses mediated on behalf of the people, the Ten Commandments. Remember Mount Sinai? And then there's Mount Zion, Jerusalem, home of the Jewish temple. And these places, the writer will argue, are very, very different. The illustrated in the writer's descriptions here, two very different approaches that people can make to Almighty God. And so to us, as I sit and you sit at the airport looking at your two boarding passes. But here's the amazing surprise. You see, if you're following Christ, you are in the airport of a great city, all right, but you've already arrived at your destination. I'll say that again. Imagine, if you follow Christ, yes, you're in the airport of a great city, but you've already arrived. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. It's a great surprise. But you, he writes, you Christians, have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You've already arrived at your destination, Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. And so now it's time to stop looking at your boarding passes especially the one in this hand that leads all the way back to Mount Sinai, it's time to leave the airport. See, the writer's been explaining this all the way through his letter. This glorious destination he's been trying to get his Christian readers to get hold of all the way through this letter. As Christians, did you realize you have a new covenant with God in Christ? You have access to God through the sacrificial death on the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, all the obstacles cleared, salvation won, relationships restored with our sovereign Father God. And the thing, perhaps another surprise about Mount Zion, is that it's no mere city on earth like the old Jerusalem. Look at verse 22 again. It's the city of the living God. It's the heavenly Jerusalem. It's the city of God. This is no earthly city. And so the contrast with the old, gloomy, terrifying mountain of the old covenant couldn't be greater. So I want you to think about it. If you're trusting Christ, and if that describes you, as you look at this heavenly city, I want you to let the amazing sights in it to encourage you. Whatever twists and turns life is taking you on these days. Well, here's the first thing we're going to see in this passage. See, number one, you can be sure that your approach to God, your relationship with God, is not on the mountain of fear, verses 18 to 21. You see, remember that boarding pass that you had on your hand back to Sinai? That's not your destination if you're a Christian. Now, the writer doesn't even name Sinai. 
but it's clear that that's what he's referring to. Read from verse 18 at the start of this passage. He says, for you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. Well, the writer highlights fear, fear on that mountain, the old covenant as it was established with Moses. And ironically, that mountain could be touched, verse 18. It could be touched. And yet sinful people making an approach to their holy God, well, they had a lot to fear. Even animals, did you see that very strange quotation there? Even animals that touched the mountain had to be stoned. Such was the, the approach to a holy God that could not entertain even animals touching that mountain. So there was, in fact, rather than something touchable and a tangible relationship with God, instead there was distance from him, separation. Now, the sights here are meant to be quite terrifying, and they're all bunched together. Look at verse 18, fire, darkness, gloom, a storm. Even the mediator of this old covenant, even Moses, trembled with fear, verse 21. It's really good to be reminded, isn't it, that this is not our approach to God, destination. This is not how Christians approach God, and that's what the writer does here. This is not your approach. Look at the start of verse 18 again, for you have not come here. This is not your relationship. And so the amazing contrast, secondly, you see, your approach to God is at the mountain of joy because of Jesus, verses 22 to 24. Remember that fear and distance and separation and darkness? Well, that's no longer the case for Christians because the Lord Jesus has won for his followers, anyone who follows Christ, he's won an approach to God defined by joy and access, as was described back in chapter 10. Just turn back to chapter 10, if you can, verse 19, where the writer says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence, you see, Christians, because of Christ, have a new confidence. They have access. And so here in verse 22 of chapter 12, but you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering. It, it's really quite remarkable, the contrast. What the writer's been describing has already been achieved for people who are following Christ. So look down at the boarding card, the destination you have arrived to. Well, it's joyful access to God. That's now what you have. And actually, if you reach a bit further into your pocket and you take out your passport with your name on it, you're not just in transit of this airport. This is your country now. You're a citizen of Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Now, this is a remarkable truth that as Christians we find hard to take in. And sometimes we end up just looking out at this destination from the airport. But you should start seeing from those windows Airports tend to have large glass windows, but look out 
at where you've arrived. And the first thing that strikes you is this picture of innumerable angels in festal gathering. What's that about? Well, look at it. Here in your city, here in your country, there are jubilee celebrations to rival no other. Innumerable angels in festal gathering. There's a festival taking place. It's a joyful festival gathering. And you can't even count the number of angels that have gathered. You see, this is a mountain of joy. And you're being encouraged to join in and come be part of that joyful assembly. Now, what are they celebrating? What's the jubilee about? Well, of course, it's the triumph of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son. Look at verse 23. You have come, he writes, to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. You see, as well as angels, the city is packed with an assembly, the church or the assembly of the firstborn. In other words, men and women who take their place in this city, who have a passport to stay here because of the work of the firstborn of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when the names are taken of who belongs there, if you trust in Christ, the firstborn, will that now define you? You're enrolled. A stunning picture gathering in from the nations. There's angels and there's all the people now, all those who have trusted in Christ. And, and it really echoes that picture in Revelation of that final gathering who will gather in all because of him, all here for that celebration of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 24. And you have come to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. I think this is quite amazing as we approach God. Even God, look at that description, even God, the judge of all, there's that confidence described earlier in chapter 10. You see, in God's presence, he is the judge, and yet there's no longer the same fear as in that earlier passage as they were at the mountain where there was fear, fear even to touch it. But rather here we have gathered the, and look at that unusual phrase, the spirits of the righteous made perfect, verse 24. Those from all time who were once sinners, unable to approach God, now in Christ they have been made so perfect that they can gather in this city. Salvation complete, joy welling up, the festival starting. It's, it's quite an unbelievable sight. Look at verse 25. The writer brings our attention now to the pinnacle, the center of this joyful city. Have a look in verse 25. You have come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Here's the that earlier part. Sprinkled blood in Genesis 4. And it cries. And so the writer gathering in this heavy blood speaks a better word. Spoke forgiveness. Says to God. One of the commentators. And now he's always with them. Because they lose sight. So here's how it's relevant. With God there are no of the heavenly city. There's another warning that comes up just here in verse 25. We don't have a lot of time to go into it. But just have a look at it. Verse 25. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. Don't refuse to listen to God on this. Remember, 
This is the God who speaks a better word through Jesus Christ's sacrifice. And the warning is quite somber here. We don't have time to go into all the detail, but Christians must not only listen to God's word, but respond, accept his son, accept this amazing destination where we already are, boarding passes and passport and visa in hand. And then there's something else towards the end of the passage. Look at 28, chapter 12, verse 28. There's gratitude. The writer says, our response should be that of gratitude. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken by terrorists or crime groups, it's not gonna float away or shake or be destroyed. So let us be thankful. Gratitude should well up on the heart of Christians who have arrived here in a place that cannot be shaken, a kingdom established by God in Christ that will last forever. Gratitude. What a heavenly city we've come to. It can't be rumbled by any of the world's forces. That's our response as Christians, gratitude. And then something else. End of verse 28, worship. Let us be thankful, the writer says, and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. If you're a Christian, your approach to God is not on that mountain of fear, Sinai. Your approach to God is at the mountain of pure joy, of jubilee, because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about it. Who ever arrives at their airport destination and sits down and never leaves the airport? Who does that? Have you ever done that? Would that be bizarre? And so the writer says, no, join the celebration today, this week. Leave the airport. Go into the city, bursting to the seams with joy. Bursting to seams with a blood-bought people. If you're a Christian, you're one of them. Bursting at the seams with angels, innumerable. Joyful celebration, singing. And this axis, this joy-filled festival of celebration is yours in Christ. This is your citizenship. And if you're not there, if you still haven't arrived into this airport, it can be your destination too. And it's my prayer that as you look at what the Bible says, you'll see that in Christ, the destination, this summer, this life.